0: All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, I just pray right now, God, that, that we can focus on your word and on your word alone, just focusing on what you've told us and God recognizing your love for us and in the words that we're about to read. God, I pray that you would give me the words to speak. God, you would um, give me the words to be able to explain what your word is saying and to be able to make it clear. God, I pray that you would you would open up my my mind and my heart. God, just listen to your Holy Spirit so that I would preach your word with truth and with clarity. And God, I would pray that I would do it in love. Uh, Lord, I pray you would open up eyes tonight. Uh, God, thank you for the parents in the room that care for their kids, that care for their children and love them the best way they know how. Uh, Just sharing your love with them. Lord, I just... Thank you for every child in the room, every teenager, every student. Lord, I just thank you for the fact that uh, they are here, and they're here with open ears and open hearts. God, wanting to hear your word. I pray that, that you would speak to them tonight. Um, Lord, just uh, penetrate their hearts with your word. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified and that you would be lifted high in this time that we just here to focus on you and your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, um, I'll be honest, I'm a little, um, I don't think I'm prepared to be able to speak uh, about this passage because it is so simple um, and it's not very long. and It doesn't come to uh, a conclusion of just the gospel and um, there's not really just like an overt like, Good news, like in it it's just like a couple of commands, a couple of things that God is telling us to do, and um, it's kind of hard to talk about that sometimes because um, for just four verses, um, you kind of have to uh, you feel like you have to fill the time, uh, but you guys know i don't really struggle with that um, so uh Kenny laughed you know you know that's funny uh, anyways um, so. This is not true for every single person in this room, but um, because I know that there's parents out there um, who treat their kids wrongly. Um, they may be there in the picture, but they may, uh, there may be abuse uh, physically or emotionally. I understand that that's real, um, and I wish I could say it was more rare than it actually is. I know there's there's situations out there where there's just one parent and the other decided that uh, they didn't want any part in in the kid's life. And um, some kids don't know their dad. They have no idea who he is because he left a long time ago. And uh, there's like an emptiness that gets left there. There may be a a mom um, that leaves and says, you know, I don't want any part in this uh, after the baby's born or, you know, a lot of sad uh situations that are they're very true and, and they and they actually they really do exist uh on a large scale. Um it seems like every other person you talk to they're like, Well I didn't know my dad or um well in my household growing up this is what happened and all those other kind of things. Um but um I speak for um just my experience uh with a kid um that As a parent, you love your child with a love that is inexpressible. Um, You you see that you see the kid when when, for the first time, and you're really blown away by all the emotions that you feel. Um, There's a little bit of fright. There's a little bit of you know fear in there because you're thinking, "How am I going to do this? Like I'm, you know, this is gonna be crazy. Like this is a long time that I have to, you know, and this." Um, this little baby's innocent now, but, you know, if it's anything like, you know, her dad, she's not going to be, you know, you know, perfect. So gonna be, there's going to be mess-ups, and they're going to happen a lot. You know, there's going to be a lot of things that happen in the child's life that, you know, they, they may be innocent now, other than the uh, ear-piercing screams, uh, but they're not going to be innocent forever. There's going to be times uh, where they fall, they fall down. It's going to be hard for them to get back up. There's going to be times where they rebel, and there's going to be times where uh, they, they don't want anything to do with the parent, and, and you know, uh, they're going to feel pain in their heart that the parent may never know about. Um, and, and we can't shelter them from everything. So there's there's this fear, uh, and there's also this amazement that kind of goes on in your heart, but you, you realize that this child is going to grow up one day, and they're going to make their own decisions, and, and so immediately you feel the weight of responsibility, and, and so with that, uh, as, a, as a parent, you, you have, I guess, one of two choices to take that responsibility and do the best that you can. You're not going to be, you're not going to do it perfect by any means, but you can take that responsibility and say, I'm going to do it the best I can, or you can neglect that responsibility and say, I'm, I'm not in this. I don't want this. Um, But I say that to say this, um, parents try their best to raise their kids and there's a lot of mistakes that happen in that, but there's an inexpressible love there and there's a responsibility they have to take on and there's a lot of pressure behind that, raising another human, uh, a human that's walking around bearing your image, uh, a part of you is in them. And they're walking around, they're talking, they're making decisions on their own later on in life. And so there's a lot of pressure on parents. So I I say this, I say all that uh, just to get a little background um, of what it's like, because um, I speak from recently coming out of the position of a student or a dependent, um, like a child. I was a child not so long ago, dependent on solely my parents. And, you know, making my own decisions, but they had to let me make my own decisions. And now I've just recently stepped into the role of a parent. And, uh, and I'm young, and I'm, I'm not very wise in, in the parenting uh, thing. Um, but I guess no one at the start is very good at it. You just kind of have to learn. But uh, I'm relatable to everybody in the room. Um, so it's kind of odd that I'm, like, right there in the middle. But in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. So this is not something we want to hear all the time because a lot of times our parents, like, tell us to do things. We're like, no, I don't really want to do that. Like, what's it matter if I clean my room? Like, can I just close the door when people come over? You see what I'm saying? Like, what's the point in making my bed when I'm just going to go back to sleep in it? Like, six hours from now. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the point? So there's like, there's this kind of like uh, rebellious uh, nature that we have as kids, as uh, children. Maybe you don't feel like you're a child because you're 16 or whatever. You're still a child. You're still your parent's child. So, you know, there's this rebellious nature that we all carry around that we don't really want to abide by rules or have this authority hanging over us, telling us what to do and all this kind of thing. But recognizing that your parent loves you, where they do a perfect job at parenting or whether they make all the right decisions all the time and whether they're always doing the right thing, regardless of all that, the Bible says that as a child, you're supposed to obey your parent because you belong to the Lord and it's the right thing to do. So why do you obey your parent? Because it's the right thing to do. Is really um, really nothing else to it. It's just that it's the right thing to do, and it's wrong to not obey your parent. Because here's here's the way it goes: is that your parent was at one time a child to their parents, which are your grandparents, and at one point in time they were where you are at now. They went to high school. They experienced a lot of the same things you experienced. They now are they are, now have a career, whereas you are going to move into a career. Uh, they now have kids, you're their kid, and maybe one day you're going to have kids. And so the, the responsibility of a parent is to be able to train the child up. It's, it's to take that resp- the responsibility you have when you have that kid is to be able to say, hey, I'm going to take this child, I'm going to teach them how to do life. I'm going I'm to show them what I know. I'm going to instill in them wisdom about life. I'm going to guide their decisions. I'm going to make their decisions for them until they're old enough to make their decisions on their own, then I'm going to guide them so that when you make the decision and there's consequences of that decision, they can help you through it. I mean, there's, there's all that that's going on in this parent-to-child relationship, and they feel the responsibility of your life on their shoulders 24 7, whether you're out driving your car, although you're being safe, or you may, you know break the law and speed a little bit, or whatever. They feel the weight that whatever happens to you is on their shoulders. But you feel the weight of your own life and only your life because you don't have no one under you depending on you. And so you have to keep that in mind. They were once where you were. And I know you probably hear that a lot. They probably tell you, I, I did what you did before, so listen to me. I know it's hard to hear that because you want to make your own decisions but to obey your parent, to do what they say to do, is the right thing, although it is not always easy. But this is what it says. Uh, this is actually a commandment out of, of the first, you know, the Ten Commandments that, that God gave us in Exodus chapter 20. It's actually a, one of the ten. And it says this. It says, honor your father and mother. It's quoting from uh, Exodus 20 verse 12. It says that this is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you have a long life on earth. On, yeah, long life on earth. I feel like I just like butchered that. That was really strange. Earth has a TH. That is, that is correct. So um, anyways, if you honor your mother and your father, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. So that's the first commandment with a promise. So this is what it says. If you obey your father and your mother, the promise is that things will go well for you and that you will have a long life on earth. And this is what that's saying. This is a general truth. Not saying that if you obey your parent every single time, you will live till you're 99 years old and nothing will go wrong for you. That's not what that's saying because we do live in a fallen world where things happen and parents make mistakes, children make mistakes, all that good stuff. There's things on the outside of the family that may affect you that where if you're driving down the road and you've obeyed your parent every single moment that you could possibly know how, you never know what's going to happen when you take off in that car. There's things that happen that go against this, but it doesn't you know, negate this promise to say this is a general truth that if you want things to go well, this is what's healthy for you is to obey Your mom and to obey your dad. To obey them is is what's healthy for you, it's what's right, it's what's good for you. And then it says that you will have a long life here on earth. And what that's really saying is, is that society as a whole is stable when the child is obedient to the parent. When you have a lot of children not obeying parents, that's when society begins to be unstable because you have a lot of people growing up who don't obey authority. And we're all called as, even adults are, are called to obey authority. At when they, it's the government, the police officers, you as a student, you're supposed to obey your teachers. Everybody has a level of authority. And even if you're the president, somebody is higher than you. And, that, and, and no matter who that is, God is always higher than them. So everybody has to submit on some form of level. And so as a child, you're learning how to submit, you're learning how to take authority, and you're obeying as, as a child, but parents have to do the same thing. But what it's saying is that society as a whole, when you're obeying like that, the chain, it's just like a trickle-down effect, where you're obeying, and so now you're going to grow up knowing how to obey authority, and then the authority over you will be able to tell you to do something, and you do it, and everything is stable from there. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be this bliss society where everything is roses and everything just goes right and nothing goes wrong. It's not going to be that. It's just a stable society where you say, I'm going to follow the rule that God has put in place. And God has placed these people in authority over me, especially your parents, so that things will go well. That there's not just a bunch of people going around doing their own thing. There is a standard we have to live to. And so that's what it's saying is that things will go well for you. But we're not just going to be talking to you tonight, children. We're going to be talking to the parents, too. That's what it says in verse 4. It says, Fathers, meaning parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So, as parents, you know, future parents, y'all are going to be parents one day, Lord willing. At some point in your life, you may find a mate and... That person that you get married to you will have children with them, and children are a blessing, but here 's the thing is that you have to raise them up and you 're going to feel that same pressure that, that same that same weight of responsibility, which is not a bad thing it is not a bad thing and in fact, I have found that having a child under my care has held me more accountable in my actions um, and to, to be more bold about the gospel i'm not when I, when I had when we had Collins, it didn't make me exclude my love to just her and say, I'm going to pour all my love out on just her and, 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 and Kylie. In fact, it, when I looked at her, it made me love the rest of the world more. This responsibility that brought on me was, was that I'm supposed to be more bold for the gospel, to show her what it is like to live for Christ and to die to myself and to be able to sacrifice my life for her and for her mom. It has made me a better person because now I have that accountability, that thing on my shoulders telling me that somebody is watching you. And it's a good thing. It's not a weight, it's not a burden, so to speak, but it's a responsibility on your shoulders that makes you think twice about your actions. And it makes you, it corrects the way you're thinking. It makes, you, it makes you go on a more straight path and it makes you more accountable to God. And you're, you're, you have a deeper relationship with God now because you realize that as a parent, you have a child and God is your heavenly father and you are his child. So now you have a better view of what he views you as as a child. The love that you have for your child, the indescribable, inexpressible love you have for your child, so much more so does God have that love for you as his child. And that's how it goes. But it says to not provoke your children to anger. So as a parent, you're not supposed to provoke them to anger. How would you do that? Maybe by having overly, this, this overly strict boundary on them that uh, I think a lot of people would call sheltering. And I think a lot of Christian parents have this, have this issue and have this battle in their heart because it's like, I don't want them to experience sin. Like, I'm trying to keep them as pure as possible, and that's a good idea to have. That is a good direction to go in, but a lot of times we take that to an extent to where it's like, I want to lock them in the attic and never let them out to see the rest of the world because I don't want them to see any kind of sin, any kind of impurity, any of that. And so we shelter them and we say, no, you can't do anything. You can't hang out with your friends. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's not saying that you don't have boundaries. That's saying there's like, there's like boundaries and there's like complete freedom where there's no boundaries at all. And then there's over here where you're like overly strict boundaries to where it's like the kid is like chained up and makes no decisions on his own to where he sees or he or she sees no consequences or actions because you're making all the decisions for them and you're living your life through them. And this, what that does is that provokes them to anger. It provokes them to anger because they are not free. It provokes them to anger because they cannot make their own decisions. They cannot be creative because they feel like their life is being lived through by their parents. They are not their own unique individual made by God because they are. They have a different heart than you do they have different passions than you do they have a uniqueness about them that you don't have they have a fingerprint that is their own it is not your fingerprint they are their own person they have to make their own decisions that's not saying we don't help guide their decisions It's not saying we don't help them and mold them and try to train them up and discipline them when necessary, and that might be the consequence of their action. That's not what I'm saying. But to provoke them to anger by holding them in, putting chains around them, saying, no, you can't do anything because I'm sheltering you, or provoking them to anger by treating them wrongly with abuse, whether emotional or physical Provoking them—we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to provoke our children. We're not supposed to abuse. We're not supposed to shelter. Shelter is bad. Boundaries are good. Sheltering is bad. I thank God every single day that I was not sheltered as a child. I thank God that, in some instances, I'm not saying this is a 100% across-the-board truth. That my mom didn't force me to go to church. I thank God that when I said, no, I don't really want to go, she didn't force me to go. She waited till I said, and she didn't grow up in church. I mean, she didn't make me, you know, grow up in church. Whatever. She didn't go to church. My dad didn't go to church, so it's not like I, you know, didn't have a choice, you know. But I, she waited till I said, I want to go to church, and she let me go. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that was helpful in my, in my walk with Christ because I didn't grow up knowing what Christian lingo was. I didn't grow up in a Christian culture. I didn't grow up in the youth group where I knew what to say. I knew how to act. I knew you know, this personality at church and this personality at school. I didn't know any of that. I came into church with a fresh mindset, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. This gospel is amazing because I'd never heard it before. But boundaries are good. Sheltering is bad. And abuse is bad. Provoking your kid to anger in any way is bad. It's not supposed to happen. But this is what it says to do. It says rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so it says to not provoke them to anger but to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so discipline meaning that there are guidelines that you have to follow, that you want your kids to follow. In fact, when they get out of those guidelines, there's consequences, and those consequences should include, and I say this with biblical authority, this is not from me, this is from Proverbs. If you want to go read it, go read it, that physical discipline should be done. In fact, I'll say this from personal experience, if I did not get spankings, I didn't get abused, okay, like I wasn't beaten, I was spanked. So, if I did not get spankings, I promise you, you would not see me up here. I was a bad kid. I was bad. Like, I had a good heart, I guess, but if there was a chance to rebel, I was doing it. If there was a chance to talk back and have the last word, I was going to have it. You can ask my wife. So, But if I did not get spankings, I promise you I would not have learned that lesson. I promise you I would not have. In school, I got a spanking with a paddle plenty of times. In fact, my senior year, I had not had a paddling since I had been saved because I realized that authority was a good thing, and I stopped disobeying both my parents and my teachers. That was actually the very first lesson I learned as a Christian. I was reading my Bible and saw that, and I thought, Okay, I stopped. I quit. God, don't kill me here, okay? Like, I, that's like, I do this every day, okay? I, I'm a professional at disobeying. So, but my I had not had a paddling for like four years, you know? And I was like, I was on a roll, son. But I came out of class one day, and if you go to Oxford, you know what I'm talking about. I had a jacket on, and I didn't have my jacket tucked in. I also didn't take my jacket off when I saw the teacher. So, I got ridden up twice in one day for doing the same thing. So I had to get paddling twice. And the first time didn't hurt so bad. Second time I came back in, he wanted to know why I was in there a second time for the same thing. So he wore me out. Let me just tell you, I should have called DHR on him for doing that to me. It just so happens that we were good friends and he was just trying to show me, do not do this again. So I'm just saying, discipline is a good thing. I look back and see that it was a good thing. My dad told me, son, I don't want to do this. This is not something I enjoy doing, but you'll understand when you get older. That's probably something you hear a lot, kids. That I do not want to do this, but you'll understand when you get older. And he'd give me three licks. It's different for everybody. Mom was a belt. Some people had switches. Some people had paddles. Whatever you want, fly swatter, newspaper, whatever. Whatever you get your hands on. I mean, like pan, pot, something, whatever. You know, I, for me, personally, was a belt. So my dad, he'd whip it off, and it'd, be, it'd go, and he'd like slap across his belt loops. It would scare me to death. I'm talking about chills. I'm, I got chills right now thinking about it. I'd be sitting on my bed doing this, and he'd say, all right, let's go. He'd grab my arm because he knew I was going to run away. He'd grab my left arm, and he'd start swinging. And I'd run around in circles just like this. <laughs> and he was going to get three solid licks, whether I ran or not. So I had to learn to just stay still and just you know, take it, you know. Every time I sit on my bed and I think, my booty burns, like, you know, like, let me sit on the air conditioner real quick, like, this hurts. But I'm just telling you, parents don't always enjoy that. They probably never enjoy that. But it's necessary. It guides you. It helps you. It, it molds your mind, and it helps you to think about things. But it says to also instruct. Parents, how are we supposed to instruct our kids? This is not, parenting is not based off of opinion. What you think is the right thing. In fact, we have a standard. We have a a guideline right here. When you instruct something, it's supposed to be from God's Word. So as a parent, your responsibility is to teach them God's Word, to show them that God's Word is central in their life, that they should read it and, and study it and love it because it shows God's love for them. That's what we're supposed to do as parents, to show them how God's Word guides our life and how it reveals good news to us so that we can have faith in Jesus Christ, so that we have hope in this life. We're supposed to not only just read that to them, but live it out. We're supposed to live that out in our discipline to them. We're supposed to live that out in how we talk to them. How we love them, how we ask them questions, how we let them be free, how we let them see their own consequences and and make decisions, and how we actually make them make decisions. That should be shown in all areas. The fact that God's Word is, is in our hearts and it's just overflowing from our hearts. Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. What you say to your kids matters. They remember it forever. They will remember certain things that you say forever. And so we're supposed to instruct them with God's word so that they too would grow up loving God's word and be able to see that in action, not having any bitterness towards God's word because of the way we parent. They grow up loving God's word and knowing that that is where their loving parent got that from. And so um, the good news in this, where's the good news? This is not just two commandments like, hey, Obey your parents and parents instruct your kids. That's not just what this is. Just like marriage between the husband and the wife, which is Christ, is the head of the church, loves the church, just like that picture, this too shows the picture of the gospel, how God, our heavenly father, loves his child, loves his children very deeply. In fact, in Luke chapter, um, let's see, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says this, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So it's just a picture of how He is our Heavenly Father, and He loves us. And if parents on this earth who are sinful can give good gifts to their children, how much more can God give the Holy Spirit to to those who ask him, his children. And the love that you feel from your parent or the love that you feel for your child as a parent, think about how much more God loves you and how much more secure you are in him as a child. He is a parent that can never fail. Parents in here have him as a parent. Children in here have him as a parent, a heavenly father who is perfect. One who will never fail. One who will always guide you in the right direction. One who will always have grace on your sin. One who will discipline you because he loves you. Hebrews chapter 12. Or Romans chapter 12, I forget, but it's there. Go check it out. So, but you get the picture that he is our heavenly father. He loves you. He loved you so much so that he would sacrifice his own child His very own child. And as a parent, we see that more clearly when we hold our child in our hands for the first time. We see how hard was it for God to give up his only son for us. It'd be like a parent going into, uh, I think Kenny told this story one time, parent going into the, the child's room to discipline them and say that you've done this one too many times. This is the last straw. And you take out your belt, you take out whatever it is you're going to discipline them with, and you start to hit yourself over and over and over because God took our place on the cross where we deserve the punishment for our sin. He took our place as if we were nailed to the cross already. It's like he came and took us down and said, no, I'm going to go be on that cross And the sins that you committed will be nailed to it. So that you can walk away clean. So that you can walk away as a perfect child in the arms of a heavenly father. When God looks at you, he sees his perfect son. Because he who knew no sin became sin. So that we who knew sin could become righteous. That's the picture. Some of us have wounds so deep in our hearts from our parents because there's just there's no other relationship like the relationship between a parent and a child. Even if the parent abandons the child, the child will always have that, that feeling in their heart. You know? Like, why wasn't I worth it? Why didn't you stay? Why didn't you love me? Was I not lovable? Or maybe the parents stayed around, and, and there was just wounds that they were inflicted so deeply that it has affected you in so many areas of your life that you cannot even describe it. Well, tonight, the good news is that what God was trying to show in this passage, not only was he trying to tell us the right way to live, the way that's going to be best for us in life, not only was he trying to say that, but he was trying to say, I love you. You are my child. I will hold you. I will never let you go. You will always be in my hand. No matter how deep your sin is, my grace will abound all the more. However much sin you have, my grace tops that. And I will always love you forever until the end of the age. I will always be with you. I will never leave you. I will protect you. I will give you the words to say when you need them. When you're lonely, I will be with you. I will not leave you. When you're depressed, I will give you joy because I'm with you. I will never leave you. That's what God was trying to tell you through this is that he can be your perfect dad. He can be your heavenly father. And if you would just trust in him, submit to him, surrender your life to him, die to yourself Trust in Him. Trust in that the good news that He died on the cross for you. Trust in that. Trust in that. Don't listen to your wounds on how to live your life. You go to God with your wounds, and He can heal you. Don't let your wounds dictate where you live your life, and don't let your bitterness towards your parent dictate how you live your life. And don't let your really awesome mom or dad... Don't let that be the end of it. Go beyond that and say, this is a picture of a perfect heavenly father. I need to put my trust in him, not just in my parents, but in him. It's a picture that all of us needed to be dependent on God as if we were children. In the Gospels, they call that a childlike faith. My question tonight is, do you have it? Do you have a childlike faith? When Collins was born, I held her. I actually got to hold her before Kylie did. But I was holding her, and I just I felt this complete dependence that she had on me and on Kylie. If there was nobody holding her, she could not hold herself up. If there's nobody feeding her, there's nobody. she can't go and walk to the kitchen and get food on her own. Everything has to be done for her. She cannot bathe on her own. She's completely dependent on us, just as we should be completely dependent on God, our Father. In Matthew chapter 6, he shows us how he provides every single thing that we could ever need. Every single thing. He is the source of all things good. He is the source of everything we could need. So, to trust in Him with your life, why wouldn't you? Because if you depend on yourself, you'll be empty. If you let your wounds dictate the direction of your life, you will go in the wrong direction. If you let your sin control you and you depend on the pleasures that the sin gives you, you will end up dead. Not just dead here on this earth and gone from this earth, but forever. Because sin was your God. And your Heavenly Father who paid the penalty for your sin was not the person you trusted in for your life. So have childlike faith. Depend on God fully for your life. Don't let a single area of your life go without depending on Him. Not a single area. If you have truly followed after Christ, let me tell you something. Now Jesus is the King of your heart. He has come and He's made His home there. The Holy Spirit now dwells inside of you. Now you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God now dwells inside of you. And so if you are truly a follower of Christ, it will make you miserable not to give your whole life to Him. It will make you miserable to live in sin. That battle that you feel on a daily basis between your sin and and wanting righteousness, that battle you feel, that's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is there. Follow that. Follow that conviction. But I'm telling you this, if there's an area in your life that you do not want to give up to God and depend on Him for because you're scared that you will not have control, He does not dwell inside of you. Your heart is not controlled by Him. Your heart is not molded by Him. Your heart is not a home for Him. So let it be. Let it be a home for Him. And depend on Him with a childlike faith. Let me pray and we'll have a time of singing in response. Father I just pray tonight that your word was made clear Father that that we didn't just hear words being spoken but God we felt the word of God penetrating our hearts like a two-edged sword that we felt the holy spirit convicting our souls of our sin and death God and bringing out the longing for life and peace in our hearts. I pray to God that, that we, would not, we would not look back in our past and say, I need to fix something. I, I, need to, I need to straighten up before I come to God. No, no. God wants you as you are, He wants you to depend on Him. He wants you to be loved by Him. He wants you to be changed by Him so that your heart would be molded. He would take out your heart of stone and put it in a heart of flesh. He is your Heavenly Father. Trust in Him to do that. Depend on Him as if you were a small child and can do nothing on your own.